I want to thank those of you who are involved in the ESL ministry here at First Baptist Church. God has used that for many years. It's a great opportunity to reach out into the community, help those in the community, and also share the love of Jesus Christ. We have two nights in which we teach it here. There's a waiting list every year from the community to get in to the classes. So uh, they're coming here wanting to learn, but they learn more than English. They also learn about the love that this church has for them, but also the love of Jesus Christ. So thank you for being a part of the ESL ministry. Bill Baker and Edna Harvey got married a while back. Bill is 76 years old. Edna's a little younger than that. They got married in London. And what's interesting about the marriage is they met at Bill's granddaughter's wedding. So the granddaughter Lynn is getting married and her grandfather is there. Well, the groom's mother was Edna. So the bride's grandfather and the groom's mother met and got married. So the grandmother, Lynn, said, things are, are getting really complicated in our family. Because now, she said, my mother-in-law is now my step-grandmother. And my grandfather is my stepfather-in-law. My mother, she said, is now my sister-in-law, and my brother is my nephew. She said, the crazy part is, though, I got to figuring up, and I'm married to my uncle. <laughs> and my own kids will be my cousins. And she's right. It's, it's crazy how family relationships can get so complicated so fast. And maybe that's why Proverbs talk so much about family relationships. Seventy-five times in Proverbs, the family's mentioned. Seventy-five times. So, we've been going through a sermon series on Sunday mornings, five weeks, looking at the Proverbs. It's entitled, Design, How to Build Your Life from the Proverbs. And we're looking at five of those, five recurring themes that come up over and over and over in, in Proverbs. We looked at the tongue, and that if you want to live your life well, you, you control your tongue. We looked at that week number one. And then the second week, your anger. You can't live the life God designed for you if you can't control your temper. And today we're looking at family relationships. Wisdom from close range. Those relationships closer to us than any other. You've got to live life well in those close relationships to live life well. Now, we've talked about the concept of chokmah for the first two Sundays. C-H-O-K-M-A-H. It's the Hebrew word that is revered in the Hebrew culture. Even today, they did it in biblical days, even today in Israel, they revere the word chokmah, the concept of chokmah. We translate it, and the word chokmah is all the way through the Proverbs. It's translated wisdom, but the English translation is closer to the word skill. So there is a skill to living life well. It doesn't just happen. Chokmah to the Hebrews is the concept that God has designed life in such a way that everybody can live it to the fullest if you do certain things. 
And he put those in Proverbs. So that's what we're looking at. So let's look this morning at family relationships, how to live life well from close range. Now some of you this morning may say, well, Pastor, I've already raised my family. You're a little late, but thank you anyway. But not so fast. Because you may have raised your family, but you still have adult children to interact with. Grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and in-laws, family relationships still relate to us. So I want us to hear what Proverbs has to say. Now this morning we're going to look at four groups, husbands, wives, children, and parents. And we're going to look at three Proverbs for each, three instructions for each. We'll do it quickly. First of all, number one, husbands. Three proverbs, three instructions for those of us who are husbands. Instruction number one, walk in integrity. Proverbs 20, verse 7. Look at the passage. You'll see it on the screen. The righteous literally means a just man who walks in his integrity. Blessed are his children after him. So the first command we're looking at for husbands to walk, it's your manner of life, in integrity. The Hebrew word is tome. It means upright, not to slouch over. It means to upright, walk upright or to stand upright. You know how the Jews walk upright very proudly. It's a concept they knew, be upright. So Proverbs says, live your life, husbands, in an upright way. Integrity. Be who you are in public, who you are at home. Now, husbands, we know you one way publicly at church, and we may say, wow, that, what a great guy. Aren't they? They're just a great guy. Oh, my goodness, we just applaud them. And then at home, they're different. They're angry, they're unloving. So, if you can keep integrity in your home first, you'll keep it in public. Be who you are all the time, consistently. Your family should see consistency. Walk in integrity. Number two, husbands, be faithful to your wife. Proverbs 5, verses 15 and 18. Look what this says. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Have you noticed in the Old Testament and sometimes in the New Testament that, that they compare a husband and wife relationship with water from a well? Have you noticed that? Notice how many patriarchs in the Old Testament met their wife at a well. Several. That's because the analogy of water, well, husband, wife relationships is strong through Scripture. In fact, Jesus, when he met the woman at the well in the New Testament, talked about her husband. That's the concept. And so here in Proverbs, it talks about husbands drink water from your own well, not from others. 
have relationships with your wife, but not others. Be faithful. Don't be developing relationships, men, with other women. Emotionally, physically, be true to your wife. Whenever you start to develop those relationships, what happens is you pull away from your wife more and you start to see flaws in her more and more. Things bother you more. You start to criticize her more. Whenever you develop a relationship with somebody else, you start loving your wife less. So walk in integrity. Love your wife, or rather be faithful to your wife. Number three, love your wife. Husbands, love your wife. Interesting passage, chapter 30, verses 21 through 23. Look at it. Under three things, the earth trembles. Under four, it cannot bear up. That's a formula you see, formulaic through the prophets, through others. Just a Hebrew way of saying, here's something I want you to listen to. A slave, when he becomes king, a fool, when he's filled with food, an unloved woman when she gets a husband, and a maidservant when she displaces her mistress. So the third one there literally means a woman who has a husband, but she remains unloved. You've seen them. You've seen those women. They're still married. Husband's still there. He just doesn't love his wife anymore. And you can see it. You can see it in her face. The sadness. In fact, the word there is odious in Hebrew. It literally means hated. The woman who's living with a man who hates her. It's sad to see. So husbands, love your wives. That's what Ephesians tells us, 525 Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's the relationship we should have to our wives. Well, Pastor, I, I just don't love my wife anymore. I'm sorry, I, I, I don't. It would be better if I just divorced her and left. I, I, I don't love her anymore. Then pray for God to put love in your heart for her. He can raise the dead. He can do anything. Pray that he restores the love for her in your heart. But love her. Secondly, wives. Now, I'm just going to read this like it says so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> three verses, three instructions. Wives, number one, build your family. Proverbs 14 Verse 1, build your family. Look at the verse. The wisest of women, by the, word, the, the, by the way, the word wisest there, the word chokmah. The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. So what he's saying here is the wisest of women, the chokmah, builds, it's the word banah, establishes or makes permanent her house, but the foolish woman Tears down her house. 
The word build there for building a house was the exact same word that was used whenever the Hebrews came back from exile. They'd been in bondage 70 years to the Babylonians. They were given the release. They went back, and the word build was the same word for their freedom. So they went, ah, oh, we're not enslaved anymore. We're not in shackles anymore. We can exhale. So wives, build a home where your family can, ah, oh, exhale where they don't feel enslaved and where they feel free build that house wives that are work at establishing the family not neglecting the family not being involved in things that tear down the family build your family wives number two be excellent. Be excellent. What does that mean? Two different passages of the Proverbs says, wives, be excellent. What does it mean? Let's look at it. Look at verse 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. That's graphic, isn't it? What's the proverb saying? Excellence. It's the word hayil in Hebrew. It means strong. It means virtuous in Proverbs 31. It, it means to be able. It means to guide an army. It doesn't mean you're strong-willed. It means you're capable and able and excellent. And an excellent wife is a crown. The word means wreath. You win in a game that you're proud of. The wife that is excellent, her husband is so proud of her. Dr. Raymond Barber said, a crack in the foundation of a house can destroy its framework. And a crack in the foundation of a home can do the same. So wives, ensure there are no cracks in your home. And number three, wives, avoid being contentious. Proverbs 19, 13. A foolish son is ruined to his father, and a wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain. A wife's quarreling, it literally means, it's the word midyan, it means to contend, it means strife. As when there's strife in a home, it's like a continual drip, drip, drip of rain you can't get rid of that drives you crazy. Seven times in Proverbs, a wife is told, don't be contentious. Don't call strife. Don't keep strife stirred up all the time. Avoid being contentious with husband, with children, don't always be keeping it stirred up. So husbands, love your wives. Wives, don't be contentious. Now children, three verses, three instructions. Number one, hear what you are taught. 
Children, hear, listen when you're taught. Here's the passage. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. The word hear is interesting. It's the word kasab. It means pay attention. It means be attentive. So whenever your parents are instructing you, pay attention. Don't uh, roll your eyes and tap your foot. and Pay attention. Listen to what they're saying. You see, everybody has a role in the home. Children, yours is to listen. Whenever they instruct you, be attentive. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other ear. Be attentive to it. Now, I, I will, I'll be the first to admit to you, my parents made sure that, that I, I knew what was right, that I would do what was right. My, my mother made sure that, that I knew Scripture. But I'll be honest, I was one of those kids that tapped my foot and rolled my eyes. You can see it, can't you? I didn't listen. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, all right, okay, all right, all right. I got it. I know everything, I got it. That's my attitude. I disobeyed the Proverbs. So children, obey the Proverbs. Be attentive, kasab. Your parents teach you. And children, here's the second instruction. Do not forsake what you're taught. Those are separate. Do not forsake what you're taught. Get chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching. The word teaching, there was the word Torah, law. But let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Teaching, Torah, but let your heart keep. It's the word Nasser. It means to guard or to watch. It's not Shamar like we talked about where it's the guard dog. It's Nasser, a little less than that, but still keeping and watching and guarding what you've been taught. When you get to be an adult, keep doing what you were taught as a child. Forget not my teaching. Now, I, I told you that whenever I, I didn't listen a whole lot when my parents taught, but when I grew up, I did not forget their commands. I kept them. When I was 19 years old, I recommitted my life to the Lord. I wanted to give wholly to what Scripture says, what God had taught me, and what they had taught me. And so whenever I grew up, I did not forget the teachings I had been taught. Some do. I, I've, I've been here long enough as pastor that I've seen a lot of kids come up through our children's ministry, youth ministry, and graduate and go on. They're adults now. Some have families. And I've noticed a lot of them aren't living now. They were taught. They believe what culture teaches them, and they don't believe Scripture. 
they believe the opposite of Scripture. They live their lives opposite of Scripture. Their lifestyles are the opposite of Scripture. And so they came up hearing what was right as children, hearing what was right in the youth group, got on their own, and forgot the teaching. I have a list of them. I pray for them every day. As you know, I'm praying third John for you every day that you'll, my children will walk in truth. And I'm praying for those members of our church, and there are several in, in my mind that I've got a list of. I pray for them by name. I may be praying for some of your kids. I pray for them by name. That they would believe the truth and behave the truth. And that they would not forget what they've been taught by their parents and by this church. Because a lot of them have. My son, do not forget my teaching. And number three, for children, be wise. Chapter 10, verse 1, be wise. Look at the passage. The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a heaviness, is what the word means, to his mother. Proverbs often contrast wise and foolish, wise and foolish. Hokmah and Kassil, Hokmah and Kassil, over and over and over. Hokmah and Kassil, wise and foolish. Be wise, don't be foolish. And it tells children, be wise. Some of the choices you make are simply foolish. Some of the decisions you make, some of the lifestyles you live, simply foolish. Be wise. Listen to what you've been taught. Listen to what Proverbs, what wisdom cries out to you. Listen when you're taught. Don't forget your teachings when you're older. Be wise. And then finally, parents. Three verses. Three instructions. Number one, parents, love through discipline. Love through discipline. Look at chapter 13, verse 24, powerful verse. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. There are a lot of people out there that thinks Proverbs 13, 24 is wrong. Pastor, I, no, no, I, I, I show my love by not disciplining my child. No, no, you show love by disciplining your child. According to this passage, if you don't discipline, you hate your child. Love them, you hate them. In fact, New Testament says the same. We're told in Corinthians that God loves and he disciplines those, those children that he loves that are his children. If he, it says if, if you're not disciplined by God, you're not his child. Because all of his children he disciplines. Now, there are different types of discipline. I'm not talking about child abuse here. But Proverbs 13, 24 is not about child abuse, about beating a kid half to death. That's, that's not what it's talking about. There are many forms of discipline, but we discipline them showing we love them. Love is displayed not in letting them do what they want to do. Love is displayed 
discipline. But notice the second thing, parents. Impart wisdom through discipline. Proverbs 29, 15, look what it says. The rod and reproof. By the word rod in Hebrew literally means a branch of a tree. Some of you have experienced that, haven't you? The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Again, not talking about abuse, not talking about being a kid, not talking about that. He's talking about the rod and reproof, the give, the give hope my wisdom, but a child left to himself brings literally disappointment to his mother. Now, every church I've pastored, this is the third church I've, I've been pastor of, every church I've pastored, this conversation has taken place. I've had parents come to me, now, pastor, I... I I just believe in raising my children a little differently. I, I, I don't believe in teaching them or training them about God or about the Bible. I want them to come to God on their own. I want them to come to the Bible on their own. That way it's pure. It's theirs. So I'm not training them. I'm not teaching them or telling them what we believe. I'm just going to let them go and come to faith on their own, and it will be their pure faith. How's that working out for you? Doesn't. Because those same parents come back to me and say, Pastor, would you pray for my child? They, they won't darken the door of a church. I don't know why. They don't believe in God. They don't believe the Bible. They don't believe in church. Would you pray for them to come back? You see, you're never commanded, ever, as a parent, to just turn them loose and let them come on their faith to their own. You are to train them. Now, they have to make a choice. But we're to train and we're to teach and we're to impart wisdom through discipline in its many various forms. And then finally, parents, number three, love through discipline, impart wisdom through discipline. But number three, you'll see, train up a child in godliness. Proverbs 22, 6. We all know this passage. Let's look at it again. Train up a child and the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Some parents have, have said, Pastor, God has lied to me. That verse is not true, but it's an axiom that is true. Let me explain. First of all, the word train up is the word that meaning to dedicate a religious house to the Lord. Whenever they built a temple, they would have a dedication service. It was the same word for in Hebrew for train up. It's dedication. It's inauguration. So whenever the child is young, you inaugurate them. You dedicate them like dedication of God's house. It's not training them on how to do their taxes and how to invest and how to do your checkbook. That's not that training. It's training in the things of God. So very early, inaugurate them into the dedication, the things of God. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. What's it? Depart from that way or depart from the teaching? It's the teaching. 
You may have a child that you raised in a godly way and they've chosen the wrong way. God didn't lie to you because they're, the promise is they will never forget how they were raised. They'll never forget that training. They may walk on wayward paths, but they will never forget the training you gave them in godliness. It will never leave. Deep down, they'll know it. Now, it does not say to uh, drop your kids off at the church house. It not say that. To some people, that's training them in godliness. Well, I'll take them to church and let you. No, no, you've got them six days. We've got them one. So we reinforce on Sundays what you've been teaching and living before them for six days. So training them is more than dropping them off here. It's living the godly principles at home. So, three passages, three words of instruction for family members. Clovis Chappelle was a, uh, one of the great preachers, 1920s to 1960s, really from the Taft administration and Nixon's administration. Some people called him the uh, America's pastor, trained at Harvard and just a, a sharp communicator of God's Word. And he used to tell the story of two paddle boats years ago leaving Memphis down the Mississippi River, going to New Orleans, both of them hauling cargo. That was their job, haul it from Memphis to New Orleans. Well, they pull up beside each other, and they're tugging along there, and one gets ahead of the other a little bit, and another one catches up, and words are fired back and forth, and another one says, yeah, you're a slow poke, and he guns it a little bit and gets a little uh, farther, and the other one catches up, and challenges are made as to who can beat the other one to New Orleans. And the race is on. And there they are, roaring through the deep south, those paddle boats, powered by coal, chugging along, one boat ahead, the next boat ahead. The only problem was one boat had enough coal for fuel, but not enough, rather coal as fuel for the trip, but not enough for a race. So they started to fall way behind and running out of coal. So one of the sailors had an idea. The cargo they were hauling he picked it up and pitched it in the oven and realized, wow, this burns as good as coal. And he started getting the cargo they were to haul, pitching it in the oven to burn it. And all of a sudden, his paddle boat caught up, and they pull into New Orleans, and he pulled ahead, and he was the winner. The only problem was his most prized possession was the cargo, and he had spent it to win the race. And that's the picture of many families trying to win, trying to get ahead, trying to have more, better life for my kids, better than I had it, better home, better school, better life, better job, better education. And all the while, you're sacrificing the most precious cargo that you've been getting. You may win the race, but lose your family. It's not worth it. Listen to the Proverbs. Do as Solomon says, you'll love life well. Father, I want to thank you today for your word, the Proverbs, and help us, Lord, to help us to commit to them, Lord, to do what you've told us. 
God, help us. May the concept of law be a part of who we are these five weeks. Lord, desiring to hear what you have said about a life that is designed to live the best. So, Lord, help us with our tongues and help us with our anger. And would you help us in our families as well. Now, Father, during this invitation, help us to make decisions that honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.